Welcome to the Eye of Terror. Hi, and welcome back to the Eye of Terror podcast. I'm George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. Yes. So today's, today's episode is going to be about three things. One, the cinematics of Warhammer 40K. Two, our three favorite units. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And finally, the most epic battle report from a game of 40K that Alec and I have ever played. We just finished it. We're really excited to share that with you. So uh, stick around for the end of the podcast to hear how that turned out. Please. It was amazing. It just was awesome. just stay, stay around. Yeah, it was, it was the best game we've ever played. Um, Easily. Yeah. Easily. All right, so uh, this is our second episode. We're pretty excited to uh, to do another episode, and glad you're joining us again. Uh, we decided we uh, wanted to talk about an aspect of the game that uh, we think enriches the game a lot, and uh, we see people uh, play 40K for different reasons, uh, and this is one of the reasons that I like to play, and that is the immersiveness of the game. Oh yes, the it just it sets up a fan fantastic world and and very interesting storied and just there's just so much to the story which is just makes and, one of the reasons i love it yeah and, and but i think in, in in sort of bringing that universe to life that you know we read about in the novels and in the codices and in all the aspects of the game is the way we set up our armies and the way we uh, we lay out our battlefield oh yes uh, I, I enjoy the aspects of the hobby of painting and modeling, and um, but that's not necessarily true for you, right? I'm more of a fluff man myself. I really love the story of 40k. I love the, I love the unit I love the look of the units. I do love some I like I like modeling. I like modeling a lot. I do enjoy um, and I really do enjoy the cinematic aspect. It's one of my favorite parts. one of the reasons why I play over. Right. Most you, other you like, don't, war you games. Don't like painting. I don't like painting. I don't. I. I just don't. I just. I just don't like painting. Right. I just never. It never clicked for me. Never. No. Clicked. I see. I. I never clicked for me. I thoroughly love painting. I like trying to make the characters um, as as realistic as I possibly can, and still make them heroic and larger than. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I. I. I don't, want, I don't want them to be impressionistic. I don't want to just throw paint on them. I really try to you know bring out little particular details so that you know the. the the eye is drawn to them and little aspects about the characters that make them stand out. Yeah. No, it's hard to make an eight foot tall man in power armor realistic. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, but in doing that, uh, so, so what we're saying is I, uh, well, what I'm saying is that I love a really great painted army. Um, I'm not saying I'm a great painter. I've gotten better in the last uh, year and a half, almost two years I've been playing. Easily. Sig yeah. Significantly better than when Definitely. I started. And that's something everyone can do. If you really, you know, like the hobby, you start out painting. Let me encourage you to, to paint and then paint consistently. And if you do that, uh, you will get better. Um, I certainly got a lot better. I posted a picture on Instagram yeah, a few months ago, ago that compared my first ever Space Marine to uh, a current one, or one I did rec recently. And uh, it was night and day difference. It was, yeah, it was very different. It was, it was an, a marked improvement. Yeah, a friend, a friend of mine uh, looked at it and said, the difference is for you, brush control. That you learn basically how to, how to control the brush 
a lot more and that led to just your ability to find greater detail and not you know not be sloppy on the model um and that i think is true i, I also learned how to mix paints better i always add a little water to my paints a thin amount i like i like using um a thinner coats of paints on the model as opposed to just trying to glop it on yeah uh and then um and then i got better brushes frankly um oh yeah i use uh uh, these British brushes, like these Winston and, and uh, Winston and Sable, oh, I forgot. Anyway, they're the, the Series Seven. I think if you just look up Series Seven brush, Kalinsky Sable, you're gonna you're gonna find the kind of brushes I use, and they're they're amazing, and they help me keep a greater point and uh, exact more control in the model. So that leads to I think better painted uh, armies. Yeah, which we enjoy we enjoy playing with. Oh, it's great when you put when you're playing with well painted armies. Yeah, and I like watching, seeing my opponent have a great painted army in front of me because it, you know, it just looks awesome on the tabletop, um, especially when they when the bases match and the colors all match, and they match the the, the, the units match the vehicles. It, it it's just I don't know, it just to me it looks it looks a lot uh, cleaner, better, and uh, a lot more fun. Uh, but the other aspect of the um, of the cinematic of the game is the way the tabletop looks. We, oh yeah, we, we're we're. We uh, unfortunately are limited in that we have a four by four table. So yeah, no, we have a yeah, smaller than most. Yeah, um, and and the we the way we the way we built the table, uh, we um, was to take two two by four pieces of wood we got yeah. at Home Depot, and um, put a, a, like a blanket on our on our, our, on our round. We had a round. We have a round table, so that's why we have to use. Yeah, these. we have a three around a three foot circumference or a diameter table. Yeah, we put the uh, a piece of uh, a blanket on that on that to protect yeah. it, and then we put two two by four pieces of wood on there. Yeah, and on top of that, we roll out uh, a frontline gaming fat net. Oh yeah, those are great. And I, I can't recommend that enough. If, if you guys have ever played on a fat mat, let me tell you, the experience is so much better. First of all, the graphics on the, the mat itself are awesome. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. These are, they're fantastic. They're really we, good. We got a snow-covered one. Yeah, we had a snow-covered one, which I initially recommend. I remember this. I initially recommended it. You were like, eh, well, I think you wanted, you, I think you wanted the, either a city one or a grass one. Yeah, I think I, w I wanted the, the urban one. The yeah, one. the urban one. But you recommended the, I, the snow-covered mountains. Because I, I thought that might that would be awesome. I, I, I at least I, I did. And then eventually you came to my way of seeing it. I, I did. Uh, yeah. I thought since you're playing with me most of the time, I may as well um, you know, uh, do something we both enjoy. So we ordered that one. And uh, the mat is a super high quality. It's like mouse pad material. Yeah. So the dice don't bounce on it. They, they, they kind of like roll on it. Really which softly. Yeah, which makes it so much better than just... The game's a lot quieter. Yeah, rather than those um, hard... Pla what are those hard plastic... Um, Hard plastic squares that GW sells. Yeah, the, the I don't know what they're called. Uh, they it was a while ago that they released those. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I never. Yeah, it was like it was just kind of. And you got to paint different. them, and you got to do it. And that's great. You it's know, it's it, another aspect of the hobby, but frankly, it just say like, it's impractical. It's, yeah, it's impractical for like you have wobbly models. Yeah. You'd have, you have trouble rolling dice. I think that's the big part of it. Roll part having trouble rolling dice. I think a well done version of that probably means a more cinematic game, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think the the, the trade off in time and energy, and frankly, the annoyance of having a loud, big, yeah. heavy plastic two by two, you know, square. Every time, every time you and you're gonna be if you 
play like we do, you're rolling mountains of dice at times. You're rolling <laughs> right. like large amounts of dice. So it's having them clacking all over. Clack, clack, clack. Yeah, and they're just bouncing around, flying off the table. Right. So it's a kind of a compromise to get uh, yeah. a mat with a, a pre-printed uh, image on it. But um, the one we got is beautiful. And it sort of leads again to the cinematic aspect of the game. Because we decided to base our armies with snow bases. As a yeah, result. as a result of us getting the... Of us, of us getting the frontline gaming mat. Yeah, and as and people notice uh, the figures because uh, very few players out there use, yeah. use snow as their mat as their as their base on their characters. Well, yeah. and that's gotten a ton of compliments, especially on, on the Imperial Guard guys that we have. Yeah, no, no. I think the snowy. I think the snow bases really help with the cinematics of the game because it sort of right. conf- it conforms to the table itself, making it look more natural. Yeah. Um, we also have a lot of GW uh, terrain pieces. We've yeah. got uh, a number of the uh, ruined buildings, the Sanctum Imperialis, the, the large cathedral with the eagle on it, whatever that is, the basilica. Which, the basilica. We have the Administratum building. Yeah, we, uh, we have, the, um, um, we the, have the, the factory, the Manufactorum. Manufactorum, we have the Bastion. The Bastion, we've got the Firestorm Readout. Firestorm Readout, and we have the Landing Pad. Is there a special name for that? or is Sky it Shield Landing Sky Shield, pad. Sky Shield, that's what it yeah. is. And then Sky we finally Shield. have uh, the smaller bunker. A sm- yeah, that's a small bunker. Right. And so we lay that out um, in different configurations. And yeah. rather than do this whole thing of randomly paste, putting the terrain pieces all over the board, which is probably what more competitive players do, or, or you know, sort of strategically placing them to, to greatest advantage. Yeah. We try to tell a narrative. Yeah, with the piece, with the pieces we put, we try to make it consistent. Yeah. So, like, like for example, like we've got some pieces that feel more like a ruined city, and others that feel more, more like, like uh, a, just barren wasteland. Yeah, and others that feel like a fort or a garrison. Yeah, because we oh, we should probably mention that we have various different types of rocks. Oh yeah. So another another thing we do is that we went to a, a train modeling store. Yeah. You don't you don't have to buy all your train at GW. Yeah. You can not, make your own train, uh, or you can you know do what other people in other hobbies do, and that just you know take some of their stuff. So we, <laughs> we went to a train store and we found these great rocks and trees that um, uh, we bought, yeah. and so we use the actual rocks on the train table, and that adds, also adds to the cinematic aspect. Plus, they provide five five plus cover. Um, yeah, that's and always typical terrain fun. for for vehicles, and it's just another element of fun to yeah, you know, certainly make the terrain a little bit more interesting. It adds m- it adds more variety than just always having constant cityscapes. Yeah, I was really inspired by the terrain that uh, Striking Scorpion on his YouTube videos yeah. uh, uses. I mean, the guy goes all out. Oh yeah, he has. I mean, a he has like. A lot, a lot of the boards I noticed him play on were like really fantastic. He has a lot of varied. He has a lot of he does he does, uses fat mats, but he also has great ter, he has great terrain, and he often uses like sometimes he'll use three D. I think maybe they're at a game store he goes to or something, but I've seen him use like three D, one of those like three D boards essentially that have like terrain sort of built into the. To the yeah. board of it in yeah. and of itself. So it's either custom made or it could be a variant. It could be somebody um, modifying a GW board or something. But but you know what he also does? He, he buys like small. He uses small rocks and, yeah. and like little lichen or little plants. Yeah, he'll have and like he spreads them all out on the table. He has like gravel. He, it, yeah, it gravel. Looks, it looks like gravel. So it adds. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's really interesting. I and, really enjoy that. And when we first started learning about 40k, uh, 
the striking scorpion videos on youtube um, and you guys haven't checked them out you got to go look up youtube they striking are scorpion 82 they are some of the most yeah they are probably i think he's the best whammer 40k player on youtube well in terms along of, along yeah in terms of to the the cinematic look yeah He's fantastic. Yeah, uh, there's people who are probably more competitive and certainly there's, more and there's, accomplished. But there's more. Yeah, there's probably yeah, there's easily probably there's probably more competitive people or people who are drawn who are a draw for their like crazy personalities or something like that. But but yeah, but he, he his he, tables are probably the best. His um, his tables. So that's kind of what inspired us, and and yeah. so we put together these tables, and um, we're I think they they make the experience. A lot more, um, as I said, immersive. Oh yeah, we really get into the battles um, when it feels like there are armies going through a city, trying to get into cover. You know, uh, taking protection behind a, a, an emperor. I mean, a, a statue of a giant sort of space marine. Or oh yeah, it really helps because you, at least I imagine them doing all these things when I move these guys or when I yeah. send them into combat. I imagine them rushing headlong into the enemy rather than just. Rather than just looking at static pieces <laughs> or little, little little toy plastic soldiers, yeah, little toy plastic soldiers, which is what actually they are. Yeah. And if and if you've never done that, I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for us, it's the telling a story and watching that story visually play out on a on a beautifully laid out table makes the game just that much more enriching. Oh and, yeah, easily and, and worth playing. Um, I I don't think we'd have nearly as much fun uh, playing with you know gray plastic or with badly painted models or just like a <laughs> yeah. table. Well, when we start when we first started, we literally started by having a plain table. Yeah, and having a couple of books act as terrain. Yeah, having a couple of books act as terrain. We had like a few models. Actually, most I I think I substituted most of my models. At first, yeah, of course. I substituted. We didn't have, we we didn't have, have the actual very many uh, models. Yeah, and then and then we slowly over time ended up acquiring uh, terrain. And, yeah, and now we have a lot of stuff to choose from, and we don't use it all every single game. We we kind of decide what the theme is going to be, and then lay out the terrain yeah. accordingly. So that 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 really adds a lot. Uh, so let us know what you guys think uh, in terms of uh, in terms of terrain, uh, the cinematics of the game, uh, painting your armies. We know there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of time to, to hobby, or they or they frankly just don't like the hobby aspect of it. Which is that, again understandable. Understand yeah. if you don't if you don't like it, you don't like it. It just like you just might like the strategy part. You might like or the fluff. Right. Right. Or the, it all de- it all depends. Yeah. All depends. But for us, but for us, we we no we judging. Want to, we want to see the story. <laughs> we want to see the story on the table, and yeah. so uh, the cinematic of the game is, is is worth it. And if you really want to go down that path. GW and a bunch of other providers um, make that very much available to you. Yes, easily. Yeah. Okay, so uh, when we get back, we're going to discuss our three favorite units. Let me start with you. What are your three favorite units in Warhammer 40K? All right, well, first I have to go with my boys, the Corn Berserkers. Oh, yeah. These are nightmares in close combat okay for those of okay so for those of you play space marines they seem to have a pretty standard space marine loadout i mean they have their three plus armor save they have a weapon skill five would you look and go oh that's nice no i think no that makes a huge difference that that, it does 
it it really helps when confronting your loyalist brethren. <laughs> um, but let's see, they have. But what really makes them shine are their special rules. Okay, so let's get into some of them. What are, what are okay. some of the corn berserkers? Mark of corn, imbues with them, rage and counterattack, which gives them extra, even more attacks on the charge. Right. And they get ex- an extra attack if they get charged. Right. That's deadly. That is, it's great for both ways. So now you can um, compete against crazy units charging you. So do they have two attacks base? Uh, no, they only have one attack base. Okay. But they still make up for it in like uh, they have furious charge. Okay. Which is excellent. They're fear. They're all fearless. Right. They will never run. Okay. You don't so have. You don't have to worry about them just charging and then run away. Run away. So on the charge, they've got uh, one attack base, but they usually have two. Two. Uh, two. Uh, they have four attacks on the charge. Right. Okay. So, uh, because they got uh, close combat weapons, they have a pistol and a chainsaw. Right? Yeah. They have. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and then they've got uh, a rage that gives them extra attack. Yeah. And then they have four for charging. Yeah. All right. So you charge. So that's ten of them coming at you, and that's forty attacks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Actually, well, forty-one because of the sergeant, but yeah, right. 40. Forty-one attacks uh, with <laughs> weapon skill five because of. Uh, well, yeah, because they're just berserkers. <laughs> they're berserkers, and then furious charge means strength, strength five. Ugh. It's just it's nasty to I've see. I've been on the receiving end of they're, that. They are nasty pieces of work, and the best part is for demonkin, or if you bring a um, a corn lord for um, chaos marines, their troops choices. Ooh, wow. That it's insane. Wow. It's they're just they're yeah they're easily my favorite troops choice. Okay, they're right. easily. All right, I, I agree. That's a great choice. Okay, that's your next uh, favorite unit. Um, my next favorite unit would be the Terror of the Skies. Oh, boy, I know what this is. Oh, yes. The Helldrick. Now, it isn't as powerful as it once was with 6th edition and that it's just Cheesemeister, in the Cheesemeister days <laughs> okay. of the Helldrick. But, but what makes it great now? They're still really good options because you have a strength six AP three flamer, oh, yeah. which everyone uses because it's ballistic it has skill a torn three. special rule. So torn special rule. So 12 inches away, 12 inches away. That's when you lay down the template, the flame yeah. template. And then whatever falls into that is gets, gets burned by the AP three. Oh yeah. Flame. I, I love the AP three part, especially because a lot of times I am facing Marines. <laughs> so, yeah. It's extremely useful for combating that right. problem. Um, let's see. Hey, it's a flyer, obviously. That's always good. Um, it has. It's a demon, so it automatically gets a five plus inform. That's yeah. useful. That's great. Um, and it has vector strike. It has vector strike. It, it's unusual in that it has vector strike. So it flies strike. over. If it flies over a unit, it, it it's as if it attacked them, right? Yeah, it, it's as if it attacked them with like um what strength seven a strength seven AP two hit. Oh. Great for just like a nice yeah. little hit on a vehicle. So this thing is taking out more astromilitarium than space marines than I can ever count. It is, an ex- it's useful and it's relatively cheap. It's like around hundred, uh, hundred twenty, I think. Hundred. Okay. Uh, somewhere around that. Wait, hold on. Let me check. Okay. All right, we're gonna. We're I, gonna he's, he's gonna check the yeah, the, it's the demonkin book and see what the hell that is. Um. Yeah, so I, I hate it. I constantly have to um, 
Oh, no. I have to assume you're going to bring it whenever we play. Yeah. So that means I usually have to deal with some sort of, I have to load out some sort of Skyfire type of uh, weapon, whether to have a flyer myself or get an Aegis defense line with yeah. a quad gun. Oh, yeah, it's it's something you need to watch out for. It's actually, it's 170 points, still relatively cheap for yeah. what it is. Yeah. It has, and it has, it will not die. That's, oh, wow. It's just, it's, and it ignores, and it ignores, um, crew stun and crew stake and crew shaken on a two plus. It is a monster. It's a monster. It is vicious. Okay. So what's your third favorite unit? Third favorite unit would have to be the, I've, I didn't use them as much for a while, but I've grown to love them. The possessed. Okay. Now why do you love the possessed? The possessed are... First off, they're they're in the Corn Demon Kin book, right? They are in the Corn Demon Kin book. They are in the Chaos Space Marine book. Okay, but the, they really got improved with Corn Demon Kin book because while in the Chaos Space Marine book they were just demons, and you could give them a mark, but they were still just demons. Mm-hmm. In this book, they are specifically demon of corn, and they so when they charge, well, they have furious charge. Okay, so. And they have base strength 5 and base attacks 2. Okay. So on the charge, with two close combat weapons and strength 6, that is vicious. They have a, for those of you who don't know, they have a very standard, um, they have a, for the most part, besides strength 5 and attacks 2, they have a pretty standard uh, space marine loadout. Yeah. Um, in terms, yeah, in terms of their, um, they're just resilient. What's their, what's their save? Are they, are they, they have three up? plus armor saves. And then a five up. They have five up in Vuln saves. Right. They're fearless. They're fleet. That's very oh, important. Fleets, yeah. F- fleet they're fantastic. Huge for, difference. Huge difference fleet. in charges. Huge difference in running. Yeah. They get there just a little bit, that extra bit quicker. Oh, and it, they're just great. And not only do they get, Demon of Corn, the game Mark of Corn, unlike their Chaos yeah. Space Marine brethren, they, which gives provides a huge advantage, and their most unique ability, Vessels of Chaos, which pr- when you roll a D three, it provides a random boost, which against most enemies, any of these would be useful, any of these, one can give you re rolling failed to wounds, another gives them AP three for the turn. Again, very useful for carving up Space Marine Brethren. And another one gives them plus one attack and plus one initiative. They are surprisingly vicious. Well, they turned out they've turned out to be that way. We've had some pretty epic battles. Yeah. Um, when the possessed have come in. Um, yeah. Um, well you and you'll hear about that you'll later. Hear that, yeah, you'll definitely hear about that later in the battle report we're gonna talk about. Um, okay, well, those are great, uh, great choices. Um, obviously, very chaos and corn centric oh. uh, since you play those armies. Since I tend to play Space Marines, it's no surprise that my three favorite units are um, Space Marine based. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I, I like Astro Mil- Well, okay. Ooh, now I'm, now I'm confused. Now, <laughs> now we have some confu- technical difficulties. No, no, um, no, no. Okay. Casey, I just remembered that I'll, I'm going to substitute one. You're going to substitute one. Okay. Okay. So I was going to say the Thunderfire Cannon. Our, it is a very solid choice. It, it's a super solid choice. Uh, I really like it um, because it just, it just does a lot of work. But 
I gotta say, my favorite. Uh, setting that one aside for this one, I think you understand why. Pask and a Punisher for the Astros. Pask and a Punisher. You mean okay? So, so a tank like, commander, yeah. yeah. When you make Pask, is Pask uh, the tank commander in the Astro Militarum, um, and you put him in a Punisher. Um, he's uh, ballistic skill four, right? Yeah. And uh, and he gets old grudges, which allows his unit to reroll ones. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. And since he's in a Punisher, I think he gets like fifteen uh, shots uh, with the Punisher Gatling cannon. I think it's more than that. Is it fifteen or is it twenty? I thought I thought it was twenty. It might be fifteen. Okay. It is still. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot of plenty shots. of shots. Yeah, plenty of shots. Ugh. Right. Uh, and so and so it's so I I love Pascal and Punisher because this guy just tears things up. Yeah, it it shreds. Making me warlord, yeah, and he's in a, a armor fourteen tank all the way around. So he's really no, hard not, to kill. It, it's not no. It's a armor oh, fourteen uh, front, right. thirteen side, I believe. And then ten back. Ten back. Oh, that's right. It's that's still right. it's still hard to kill still if you set them if you position them smartly. Still extremely yeah. hard to kill. You right. have to so rush all the way up there. That's 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 my first uh, choice. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's a good choice. Yeah. The, Vicious. Uh, my next one is also a tank. The Sakarian battle tank. Oh yeah. All right. So I've got this. I've got the Sakarian battle tank, and every single, well, almost every single time, this thing has more than made up its points. It just kills things left and right. It's good against flyers because you know, you're not allowed to jink against the accelerator autocannon. First of all, it's armed with the accelerator autocannon, which is a, a strength uh, seven, um, heavy four or heavy six, uh, rending, and twin linked. It is extremely difficult to deal with. Yeah, crazy, crazy to deal with. It's great for dealing with, it's great for dealing with infantry and light armored vehicles. And it's got, it's heavily armored. It's got 13 front armor and then side and rear 12. Yeah. Right. You can also add uh, armored ceramite, uh, ceramite to it. So now it's it's resistant against Melta. It basically does, does away with Melta, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then the spots on loader, I always, I typically load it out with with las cannons because I like to use that thing to punch through. the The accelerator cannon is great against infantry and light armor, and then the uh, las cannon sponsons will punch through the heavier armor stuff that you have out there. So oh, yeah. that's great. If I know I'm facing just infantry, I'll I'll put on the heavy bolter sponsons. Yeah. But for the most part, that's a lot of DACA. If you put on uh, the uh, if you accelerate auto cannon in the front, the heavy bolter that comes with. And the, the two heavy bolts response on, jeez, that's a lot of it's crazy. metal coming For in. For those of you who might be confused, it should be pointed out this is a Forge World model specifically. You will not yeah. find this in the regular Space Marine Codex. No, it's a Space Marine tank that you can uh, buy in uh, for, at Forge World, and only certain Space Marine uh, factions can use it, like uh, Blood Angels, Iron Hands, and um, I think uh, there's a few others. Not, yeah. not every single one, but it definitely... If you can put a Sakarin on the field, you are going to be very happy with its performance. Oh, yes. Extinct. Yeah. The only time it didn't do well was when I was playing Arthur. and he Yeah, our, our friend. Our friend Arthur. And I think he had a who, vanquisher, and he shot it. He plays mostly Imperial Guard. Yeah, and so he plays tanks. And so he, he rolls a six to hit, and then uh, had a vanquisher. So he rolls, uh, I think, with a strength nine or something. Oh, uh, I think it's strength nine or ten. or it's like Yeah, anyway, he, he basically penned, and then I blew up on the first round. Yeah, I was. The big game, it was horrible. <laughs> the only time the thing hasn't done work. Yeah. Uh, love it. It always pays, gets its units back. It gets its points back in the amount of units it killed. Okay, so my final my final choice 
gets all those units back. Uh, <laughs> is um, this is a tough one, but um, I have to say the one I consistently play and I enjoy playing the most is Death Company. Uh, <laughs> love Death Company. Two base His attacks. His first love. They have uh, feel no pain. Um, I usually do a loadout where um, I try to take. Uh, if I do five, uh, I'll do one with a thunder hammer. Yeah. Uh, because that way you can just if you can just punch through anything at the end of round of the assault round. Um, but you generally want to play them cheap uh, because they're so expensive. They're twenty points a model. Um, yeah. Put jump packs on them, and now they're twenty three points a model. So they're they're expensive for what they are. Um, and they die like Space Marines, which is the only problem. They've got, they've got feel no pain. They have feel no pain. That should be noted. They, they don't. Feel no pain. They don't. They don't just die like Space Marines. They have. That's they true. have some. They have above average defense. Yeah, but the difference is that I like playing them typically with a Chaplain or with Lamartis. Yeah. Because if you do that, then um, the Chaplain uh, or Lamartis has Zealot, and that allows them to reroll two hit. So you get a unit of say ten of them. Yeah. So that will be four attacks on the charge. Yeah, rerolling your misses, right? It's I have been the victim of this many a time. Yeah, it you, vicious. You, if you can get the uh, assault charge with Death Company, you're gonna take down most things. I think. Oh yeah, easily they are and extremely. And I like playing them in jump packs. Uh, yeah, so they can make them very mobile and they can move all over the over the, over the battlefield quickly. I never play them without jump packs. Yeah, they're inc- they're an incredibly effective unit, and then the jump packs certainly are a contributing factor. Yeah, they'd be too ex- they'd be too expensive, and then if they weren't uh, super mobile, so yeah. that's why I think it's worth adding the, the jump packs on them. So there you go. Those are our, our three favorite armies. Any any runner up? Uh, three favorite units. Any runner runners up? Uh, this is from my Chaos Space Marine days. I really enjoyed playing Plague Marines. Why? Because they're really just hardy units. They're tough, and they can. And if you just have a um, and if you have a Nurgle Ward, you can essentially it, they're troop choices. Um, they have feel no pain. They're toughness five. Yep. When you they get charged, since they have some something called white grenades. They they essentially deny any benefits from the charge, which is insane. Yep. They have plague knives, which are four plus poisoned. Ugh. So theoretically, they could bring down monstrous creatures like Carnifexes, Rayfords, um, greater demons, um, centurions, whatever they encounter. It they're just really an awesome troop choice. In my opinion, they are one of the best. All right. Um, my runner-up would have to be the Death Company Dreadnought. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Now, I, I love the Death Company Dreadnought a lot more in 6th edition when it had the Blood Talons that as long as you kept doing unsaved wounds, you could basically uh, roll more dice, roll more dice. The best I ever got <laughs> was, was I chopped up 19 uh, Imperial Guardsmen. Oh yeah, in one in one assault, that was with that was the multiple. Amazing. Yeah, it, was, it you can. It, it had just, no, it didn't have any limit on how many time and how many times you could right um, as long as you had uh, as long as you had caused unsaved wounds, you could roll that many more hits, uh, and it just kept going and going and going. And yeah, that was that, that was insane. insane. It finally got nerfed for uh, you know seventh edition, <laughs> but still, you know. Um, it's got armor 12. It's got, it, na- now with the new Space Marine Codec, it's got four attacks as a base. You, it's, if you equip it with two uh, blood talons, then it's, that's five attacks. And on the charge, it's six attacks. 
it's uh, strength times two. Um, it's uh, AP two with shred. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so um, it so <laughs> it's mean, gonna kill a lot. Of doubtful stuff. you would have missed any anyways, but if you did, <laughs> you aren't anymore. Yeah, let me just shred you up a little bit more. Oh, uh, yeah, and I love the look of it. I, I so what I did is I got um, again Forge World. Uh, went and got a Chaplin Dreadnought MK4 Chap Chaplin Dreadnought, and uh, painted that up to look like my Death Company Dreadnought. And if you guys haven't. Take a look at the chap, uh, the Chaplin Dreadnought on Forge World site. It's it's awesome. It's basically like this giant skull Dreadnought. Oh, yeah. It's really wing. cool. <laughs> it's, it's a skull really cool. with wings. A skull with wings. <laughs> How it cool is. is that? Oh, man. <laughs> so that's very space brainy. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, you know, maybe, you know, probably a lot more efficient units. You know, I could name the Wyvern. That's a great unit or a bunch of other units. But in terms of the way it looked and the way it plays, the Death Company Dreadnought uh, is my runner up in my list. Oh, yes. Understandably. Okay. All right. When we come back, we are going to talk about our most epic game of 40K. Stay tuned. It was Blood Angels against Corn Demonkin. A glorious meeting of close combat. <laughs> Of exactly. combat armies. Yeah. All right. Why don't Why don't we go over your list and then right. go over my, my army? All right. So I brought the Blood Host Detachment, okay. as it provides um, free blood type points each turn. That's good. So what's What's in the Blood um, Host Detachment? Okay. So we have a Slaughter Cult. Okay. Which allowed me to reroll um, if I had the, which allowed me to reroll. Um, I see. It had me to allowed me to kill off cultists if I brought them if they failed morale tests. Okay. It allowed me to when you're choosing blood type. Okay, the blood type table for those who don't who aren't familiar with the Corn Demon Can Codex. Yep. Allows for certain benefits or the summoning of demons based on blood type in, points by cashing in some of the blood type points that you earn throughout the game. Yeah, you earn those by either having by either killing units, like destroying units entirely, or getting your own units killed, which I think is quite funny. Right. Cuz corn cares not. Corn cares not from where the blood flows, so only that it flows. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, describe the units in the slaughter cult. Okay, I had two squads of berserkers, just eight Close yep. combat weapons. I gave each berserker champion um, melta bombs. And they were, in, they were in rhinos. They were all. They were both in rhinos. Okay. I had twenty-five chaos cultists. Okay. Uh, I had a, I had a roided out chaos ward, <laughs> on a juggernaut. Okay. With the gore drinker. Okay. Uh, melta bombs. He had, let's see, a power armor, sigil of corruption. And, oh, I forgot the skull helm of corn. I forgot. I that so it, it would have been minor anyway. Okay. Um, so you forgot that. But what else did you get? I also got possessed mm -hmm. in it, also in a rhino, mm -hmm. and that about does it for the slaughter cult. Okay. Any any other units? Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> um, for auxiliary, I had a charnel cohort. First time using it. Uh, I had a squad of blood crushers. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave them a banner of blood. I'll tell you why later. I had two squads of eight blood letters. They were in deep strike reserve. 
had a demon prince. Uh, I gave him wings. I gave him the blood-forged armor. Man, that is an amazing suit of armor for demon prince. I recommend it highly. Because it confers, rather than just normal 3 plus armor save, it can also confers in turtle warrior. And it also and it confers a funeral pain, so you don't a you don't have to worry about gray knights if you fight those with their with their freaking force weapons killing monstrous creatures first tur or first um, round of combat, and feeling no pain just makes them that much more survivable. Yeah, uh, I had two squads of five flesh hounds as well in that formation, and I had a mauler fiend as a war engine. Okay. All right. Well, that was an impressive list. Um, and that was, oh, we were playing 1850. So that's, a, that's your 1850. That was my, it was 1844 specifically. Okay. So my Blood Angels, um, my HQ choice for the Blood Angels was a Sanguinary Priest. Yep. Um, he just had a bolt pistol, the Blood Chalice, and a Chain Sword. Yep. And a Jump Pack. My mm -hmm. elite choices were the Death Company Dreadnought. I had him equipped with a Flamer in one hand and a Melted Gun in the other. Indeed. Uh, then I had a Death Company squad consisting of eight Death Company, yep. three with hand flamers, uh -huh. and uh, <laughs> one with the thunder hammer. Yes. All right. Uh, sanguinary guard, uh, five sanguinary guardsmen, uh, three with the encarmine swords, one with the encarmine axe, one with the power fist and a plasma pistol. Yeah. And uh, leading them was uh, Commander Dante. Oh, yes. Yeah, Commander Dante. So we'll get into what happened later. <laughs> Uh, my troop choices, I had two tax squads, uh, two five-man squads, um, each with a heavy bolter. Uh, my fast attack, I had a land speeder squadron. I had three land speeders, each armed with assault cannons and heavy bolters. Mm -hmm. And my heavy support was a Sakarian battle tank yep. uh, armed with uh, last cannon sponsons. Mm -hmm. I had a Storm Raven gunship, twin link last cannons, twin link multi-melta, and the hurricane bolter sponsons. And then finally, I had a Vindicator, uh, just with the Demolisher Cannon. And that was my 1850. So uh, we drew the mission. It was uh, the uh, number six mission in Maelstrom. I think it was called Communications Lost. No, it was Deadlock. Deadlock, okay. Deadlock. So we start off with six tactical objectives in turn one. And in turn two, you're supposed to only have five. And then turn three, it's, it's four. And so on. And then so on and so on. Um, so it, it never goes lower than one yeah. though. I played uh, the Blood Angels uh, Maelstrom cards, and I played the core the Corn Demon Gun Maelstrom cards. Yeah, and uh, let's see, it was a Vanguard Strike uh, deployment. Yep, and um, you got to go first and deploy first. Yes, I deployed first. I failed to seize. Yes, you failed to seize. So what did you do in your first turn? Okay, first turn, as per the usual for me is just nothing but charges. I mean, nothing but running, really. Nothing but running. Nothing but running. Move your max and then run your max. Yeah. yeah. Rhino moving all... Rhino's moving all out. Malarfine moving 12 inches. Yep. Oh, um, I had the Demon Prince and the Drug Award both in squads of five Flesh Hounds. Yep. Those proved to be effective screens. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, actually... On turn one, I believe I moved my possessed out to season objective. They didn't get, they didn't take it that turn though. Yeah. Okay. So basically, in turn one, you just moved a lot. I'm essentially. <laughs> you just ran toward me. It was 
It was the charge. It was, it was the uh, yeah. unstoppable wave. I, in from my perspective, you know, the Blingers are typically an elite army. They don't, you don't have a lot of models. It's it, you see like this massive wave of angry, you know, berserkers <laughs> and demons and dogs coming at you. <laughs> yeah, as I think I said earlier, I think I said earlier when we were playing the game, the Necrons have their implacable advance, the implacable mar- march of the Necrons. Yeah. Seeing demonkin run up is an unstoppable wave. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's crazy how fast raw fury the, the demonkin army is and how fast it moves up the table. Yeah, I was and we're playing a four by four table. Oh yeah, so I didn't have a lot of room here. Yeah, it was. This these guys were just running up at me, so all I could try and do was to kill as many as possible before that wave crashed upon the shore, um, and that's what I tried to do in turn one. Um, in turn one, I had my vindicator. Uh, Shoot and it had killed, I think, like three uh, three of the uh, corn dogs, yeah. as, and uh, put uh, it put a, a hole point on one of the rhinos. Yes, I believe it did. Yeah, okay. Uh, my um, my land speeders were able to pump out 12 uh, assault cannon shots, the three of them. And um, what oh god, what did they hit? They did they did some work in that first turn, I believe. So. Oh, they went after the Mauler Fiend. They went after the Mauler Fiend. I don't think they... The combination did. of... of that, I think the Mauler Fiend went down in turn two, though. Yes, I think it went down in turn two. So um, what happened, I think they, they may have wounded it in turn one. The, um, oh, let's see. So they went after the Mauler Fiend. The uh, Sakaran Battle Tank went after the, model, uh, the Mauler Fiend. Um, and the heavy bolters also uh, that the attack marines had went after the Mar- basically everything went after the Mauler fiend. Uh, no, the, no, the heavy bolters didn't because they the heavy bolters weren't strong enough. Oh, that's right, because you had the front armor thirteen. That's front right. armor thirteen. Front armor thirteen. So um, no, I think I did kill him. Or, no, you. I think you. No, I think the heavy bolters went into work on, went to work on the demon prince and his dogs. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, I'm just trying to kill as many things as I. As I possibly can. In reserve for me was um, the Storm Raven and then um, Eight Death Company. Um, so what I did is I moved up my Sanguinary Guard uh, with my Sanguinary Priest and Commander Dante attached to them right, to form a Death Star. Yep. And I I was angling them to basically, hopefully charge the Demon Prince and his dogs um, when they inevitably came close. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh. So, Un- so so unfortunately, right. So what basically was happening is that I was trying, I was killing things. Yeah, and, you were. And there me. were a lot of like, demons and berserkers and cultists were dying left and right. Yeah, there were tons Actually, of bodies being cultists, pulled off. Yeah, cultists and wait, they died later on. The cultists died later on. Uh, I think you primarily focused on the Mauler fiend and the Mauler fiend and my demon prince and my lord. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, most of what I'm doing is mostly killing dogs. Yeah, mostly kill. The dogs it, it, proved an amazing meat shield. Yeah, they 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 soaked up a lot of the damage. Two wounds each. They did their job. They very, very well. effective in protecting both your Juggerlord and your Demon Prince because they took the bulk of the of you, the ammunition. You drop potted in your your Death Company Dreadnought. Though. I I did. Yeah, I did. So he, uh, came he, in, he took an uh, the drop pod uh, basically secured an objective for me. He secured an objective that was good. He. He went came, after. He, I think he, he went after your blood letters. 
No, I didn't have those yet. You went after my demon prince first. Oh well, yeah, it went after your demon. You prince put on. First. You put a wound on him. Actually, I did. I did you, put with the multi melta, and not the multi melta, the melta, just melt again, melt again. That's right. Again. So yeah, so I dropped him in the middle of the battlefield, and then I was angling to basically have him face your demon prince, but you weren't having that. No. All right. Turn turn two came, and then what happened? Okay, turn two came. You had moved up your um, sanguinary guard, Death Star. Yep. With Commander Dante. Yep. Um, you moved him up full twelve inches. Demon Prince was still he. Demon Prince um. Was still in um gliding, meaning you just moved twelve inches. I think I never had him in this other swooping mode right. where he moves. Um, so. They moved directly. With how fast they were going, they moved directly in front of the Death Star. Like, really close. Um, so they were able to charge in. Yeah, I got. I think I killed a few more dogs in Overwatch. You killed... I, you might, I think you put some wounds in with, yeah. the, with your Overwatch, surprisingly, yeah. yeah. Um, Chaos Ward angled to get the... He angled to get... If I remember correctly, he, got, he was going after the Landspeeders. The Landspeeders. That's that's right. I disembarked pretty much everything at that turn. Right. All the corn berserkers came out of the rhinos. Yeah, all the corn berserkers came out of the rhinos. Um I had instruments of chaos on my bloodwetters who were in reserve, so they were able to chain together their deep strike. Right. So you got both, both squads of bloodletters onto the battlefield yeah, in the same turn. In the same turn. One without ne- without scattering. When, without scattering because of the charnel cohort. And a banner of blood. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really. I, I think, I noticed that I probably shouldn't have dropped one in with the um. With. I dropped one in in the kind of remote area. I might not have wanted to do that, but. Other than that, they it was amazing. Yeah, and so now I had a lot more models to deal with. And a lot more. Yeah, it was. I want. I didn't want them to be exposed to the anti-infantry fire right away. Right. I wanted to make sure that they were safe for a little while before they would be put in onto the battlefield. Right. So, so, so turn two. So turn, yeah, turn. So you was, at, you actually got into assault with, with your demon prince. With my demon prince. And some of the and corn dogs. Immediately challenged with right. the demon prince. And I immediately accepted with Commander Dante. It was a glorious duel. <laughs> it was epic. It was a duel of Epic proportions. So Corn would be pleased. You had three wounds coming into the battle. I had four wounds. Yeah, you had four wounds. My, I was initiative five. You were no, you were initiative, initiative six. six, and then you're initiative eight. I'm initiative eight. Demon and you have AP fast. two attacks. AP two. I have AP two attacks. We're we're both at strength six. Yeah, we're both at strength six. Um, uh, I think I had weapon skill. We both had feel no pain. Right. I, I was weapon skill seven, but you were weapon skill like eight or nine. I, I was weapon skill nine. Weapon skill nine. You uh, had a better invuln save though. Uh, you yeah. had four plus. I had five plus. Right. We both had yeah. So we both have feel no pain because of blood forged armor. Right. We both have eternal warrior, but that didn't make a different much of a difference. Right. Um, and it was insane. Yeah. So basically, uh, over I think two rounds of combat. Over two rounds of combat. Okay, first round of combat, which was... Okay, so first round of combat. I I uh, take a wound down on Dante. Yeah. He doesn't do anything back to me. Right. Second round of combat. You do 
two wounds. You do, I don't do anything to you. Uh, you you do two wounds. wounds so to now me. you're down to one wound. Third round of combat. I pull it out at initiative eight, and with a with a wave of attacks because I had done a blood tithe. What? Because I had done the plus one attack. You cashed in some blood tithe. Cashed in some blood tithe to get one more attack for your entire army. One more attack for my entire army. Great. I. And that attack paid off because a wave of attacks flooded Dante. Yeah, you basically rolled eight attacks on me at initiative eight. eight. Yeah, Corn Corn's lucky number, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. It was really was Corn's lucky number. And that was too much for me. And that, that was, was too much. Poor Dante went down uh, in the in the third round of combat uh, uh, to yeah. the Demon Prince. I had one wound left. It was an epic conflict. It was. Um, it was. It was a really cinematic and just cool right, moment. Right, because uh, in the meantime, uh, the Sanguinary Guard had killed off the, the the flesh hounds. Yeah. And so what was left is that you had the Demon Prince sort Do- of emerging wounded with one wound left from his battle with Commander Dante, only to face five, four or five Sanguinary but, Guard and a Sanguinary Priest. But, but guess who showed but, up? And of all the people that show up, out from the flank, with a surprise sanguinary guard and the sanguinary priest in the back, looking to his right, was the possessed. The possessed suddenly come out and joined uh, the assault in a disordered charge. Yeah. And joined the melee. Oh, man. And that was not a good thing for me. It was insane. No. It was really just... It was another great cinematic moment. The possessed just rushing in <laughs> to a to what looked like to be a decided combat. Yeah, it looked like the Sanguinary Guard were just gonna um, wipe avenge, them out. avenge uh, their fallen their fallen, fallen chapter, chapter master, and then kill the demon friends. But no, the possessed come out of nowhere, <laughs> and then George joined the attack, and then uh, the battle continued. Oh yeah, and it finally ended with the possessed. It was two possessed against. So you kill off all my sanguinary guard. You killed off my demon prince, though. Oh, yeah, I killed off your. That's right. The sanguinary okay. guard killed off the demon. Demon prince, demon prince killed two um, sanguinary guard. The sanguinary. The remaining three kill. There were yeah. The remaining no. It was remaining two. Remaining two kill the demon prince. Yeah, kill the demon prince. And then they fall to the possessed. They fall to the possessed. And then we go into another round of combat later on when it's just it's two possessed versus my sanguinary priest. Yeah. Right. Right, so it was it was totally epic. It, it was, was back and forth, and it was a, it was a it was a clash of close combat nightmares. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome playing itself out. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, in the I, meantime, my uh, see, Death Company showed up out of reserve. Just Death Company showed up out of reserve. I charged my Drigger Ward charged the um, my Drigger Ward charged, you charged the land speeders. Didn't do like did the might have taken one out at least. Did you took one out. You took I one took out. one out. That was fine. Uh, Blood Crushers, they put in some work because they killed a Vindicator. Right, they came in and killed. I, I basically was only able to get off uh, one shot. One, yeah, just one pie plate. One pie plate shot because I, I I saw that pie plate and knew it would play that twenty four inches. Even if it even at twenty four inches, since I was rushing towards you, it would. Pose a huge problem very quickly. Yeah, strength ten, AP two. Strength yeah. AP one. AP one. AP one. Large blast. Right. So. It, so yeah. I had. So you needed to kill it. I needed to kill it very quickly. And you did. And the blood crushers were effective. They got him. Um, yeah. So that 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 did good work. My storm raven came in as well, 
and basically started pumping out uh, last twin link glass cannon, melted guns, and, and uh, hurricane bolter shots. Yeah. At your berserkers. Yeah, that's our. Started, started whittling them down, which is good because I, I don't want to face all your berserker attacks. Yeah. Uh, and then my death company dreadnought uh, t- uh, started to um, go after. I think your blood letters. Uh, oh no! Started no. It, it shot at the blood letters. Didn't it? Didn't get into combat. Didn't. Yeah, sorry. Didn't get into combat because my death company came in and then with their hand flamers killed a few blood letters. Yeah. But not nearly enough. Uh, that we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, that exactly. was great. Um, later. Um, so you were, yeah. you started basically you got some great draws on the Maelstrom points and you started racking up points. Oh fast. yeah, because I had Kingslayer right. for Dante, right, which helped, and I got uh yeah I had Kingslayer for Dante, which got me two points. I got Ascendancy, and I was able to control three points on the way there. And then you rolled uh three on the D three. Yeah, so I rolled a six on the D three. Yeah, or five, five. Right. So I got the, you get the full I got three the, points. I got the full three points. That yep. was great. Yeah, I was getting a bunch of objectives. Um. Yeah, I killed a. I had got a few which like kill a unit in close combat. Mike, well, <laughs> yes, you that's did. what the, that's what the demon can do. Right. So that played in very well. To uh, my army strategy, a lot of it, a lot of yeah, a lot of the cards played in very well to my army strategy. Yeah, which so, is rush so, in. Yeah, I I got. Not great cards uh, for my Maelstrom missions, but um, but you know we were we were pretty close up, and I was getting close. You you were you were catching up quickly. So basically, to sort of sum up, the the Blood Letters charged Death Company. Yeah, and they had an epic. It fight. was yeah, it was I think it was five or six Blood Letters against eight Death Company. Yeah, but you guys got the charge, and you have AP three weapons. Yeah, we had AP three. We had AP three. Well, they were essentially power swords. Yeah, they were power swords. And we had extra. We got extra attacks. Right. Due to I I due kept your, I kept pumping out blood type. Yeah, stupid blood type points. Yeah, They're so giving you advantages. Yeah, so and, that was fantastic. Right. So you your blood letters ended up killing off my death company. Yeah, my yeah. blood letters. Yeah, my blood letters ended up. They only had, admittedly, they only had three guys left by the end of it all. Right. But, yeah. But they, 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 they actually, they, yeah, they got objective secured on the objective I needed. Right. Right. That's why they charged, that's why they charged initially. I was, yeah, they did, that was a, that lasted for two, three rounds? Yeah, something like that. Something, like, some, it was really, it was a great, it was a great looking combat. So the great, I guess, the cinematic moments in the in the game were when um, the Juggerlord um, killed off uh, the remainder of my uh, land speeders. Oh yeah, he because he had the Gore Drinker, which essentially empowers him. The more he kills, yeah, the so more wounds he pumps more powerful, out. The more he killed, the, so the when stronger he, he got. So the next time he charged the land speeders, he had like double his strength, mm-hmm. and he has <laughs> yeah, he like strength ten. He's like oh. <laughs> and then just, so and then, I, I knew I had to, I knew I knew I had to kill him. Yeah, he uh, then afterwards actually he went up and killed a tax squad. Yep. In uh, combat, and I think that was actually yeah. And then I think he got a, me a point from killing the land speeders because uh, blood and I think I got blood and guts, which um, I needed to kill something in close combat. Right. So he did. He didn't do as he wasn't as effective as I'd hoped he'd be. But he still got me a point, 
So and and he, he and, was supercharged and he was super hard to deal with and yeah. and I knew my normal units couldn't do it. So I ended up through a combat. I think it was the Storm Raven that ended up focusing fire on him and yeah. finally killed him off. Yeah, after still off. Yeah, surprisingly, my tack Marines, which were you know sort of in in um in the a chapel, sort of on the second floor or on the top floor, and their heavy bolters did a surprising amount of work. Yeah, they, they did. A, they put in a lot of work. Yeah, they actually killed a lot of units, and they ended up killing the final blood crusher by, uh, by basically yeah, charging the blood, him. The land speeders annihilated the blood crushers. Uh, yeah, for the most part, and then there was one remaining blood crusher, and then the attack squad charged it, and then finally killed it. So, well, what ended up happening is there was. It looked like there was no way I was going to be able to catch Alec. I was getting close on the maelstrom points. But there was no way I was going to be able to catch up to him. Because due to deadlock, it kept the number of uh, objective cards kept going down. Right. So, so it, I, I couldn't generate new objective cards, and so there was a finite number of, uh, yeah, of I, objectives I could get. And even if I got all of them, I still wouldn't have been able to catch up. Yeah. So he had. So, but he had killed a ton of my units. Right. So by the end of it all, I have. A very small amount of units. I had one uh, around <laughs> like turn five or six. I had. Well, you, let's go to turn five. So turn five, you had one rhino. I had one rhino. I had two rhinos. No, I had two rhinos. Yeah, that's right. You had two I rhinos had two on the rhi- table. Two rhinos, one blood letter, one corn berserker, one blood crusher, one blood crusher, and that was it. That was the entire. And you had a storm raven. You had a sakaran. Okay. You had a squad of tac marines. And, and, a death and, death, and Death Company Dreadnought. And Death Company Dreadnought. So my only hope was to table Alex's army in in turn five, um, and then hope for maybe a turn six. So what ended up happening was um, in turn five, I was able to kill one of the rhinos. I kill the blood letters. Um, I kill the blood crusher. Yeah. And I uh, all that was left at the end of turn five was, was a, a rhino with one hole point left. With one hole point. Right. And so I thought, okay, with the Storm Raven and the Sakaran, this rhino is toast. I, I got him. But There's you, no way. But what I didn't know was... You killed... Since you killed a lot of my units, <laughs> I started racking up blood type points. Oh, my God. And then, <laughs> with an unexpected movement, summoned... A squad of five uh, f- corn um, flesh hounds, and within twelve inches of they had to be within twelve inches of Rhino. It was the only thing left with blood for the blood god. Yeah. Um, from deep strike reserve, placed them behind, placed them behind the building, and just waited out the storm. <laughs> so basically, the whole of the battle rested on these whimpering flesh hounds hiding in the corner of ruins. Yeah. And this, uh, at this point, immobilized rhino with one yeah, hole immobilized point rhino with one hole point. And so it's turn six. Um, okay, fleshhounds totally worth the points. Just so hard to kill. I know um, my my uh, Sakaran yeah and my Storm Raven couldn't kill off the five uh, hounds. I think there was uh, it was there was three hounds left. One with one wound, and uh, the other was at full health. Yeah, and then. Um, and yeah, they so, they just couldn't kill them off. It just they just kept making their 
cover saves. It was ridiculous. So so turn six happens, and basically it's a wounded rhino and um, and basically two and a half flesh hounds left on the table. Two, yeah, it was a two. Foot... Roll, does it go to turn seven? Yeah, does it? Go, he killed the he killed the rhino, I believe. No, no, you killed you didn't kill the rhino yet. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't kill him in turn six. Yeah, so you cu- yeah, you didn't kill the rhino yet. So, so. Uh, my only hope is that we went to turn seven. So and Alec, it, you rolled for the for the. Does it end? And it did go on. <laughs> it went, it on, went on. Seventh round it went on and alec had three flesh hounds and that one wounded rhino and my sakaran was in um was in range of the flesh hounds and the rhino i had four members of attack squad left that could uh attack the rhino rear armor and i had my storm raven and it could basically look at it was basically hovering right where the flesh hounds were so what do you think happened and all <laughs> of my months slash years of this game, yeah, I've never seen something as survivable. <laughs> <laughs> the whole battle turned on whether these dogs were going to live. Um, it, uh, my tax squad was able to finish off the rhino. Yeah, your tax squad so, finished off so, the rhino. So that so both the Karen, the Sakaran and, and the Storm Raven, the Storm Raven were focusing fire. A gunship and an anti-infantry <laughs> tank. Right, we're focusing fire on these freaking flesh hounds. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Couldn't they survive. Do it they had, was. They had four up cover, and he made every one of his cover saves. Um, he ended up with uh, two flesh hounds left at the end of turn seven. Um, I was unable to table him. I had nine maelstrom points. You uh, had ten. I had ten. The winner, Corn Demon King. It was madness. It was, it was epic. <laughs> Beautiful madness. Uh, every roll of the dice, um, whether the turn was going to, whether the game was going to go on, and then every roll of the dice for every wound was completely epic and completely fun. And there was a bunch of yelling going on. And it was one of those games you remember because it was full of cinematic moments and confrontations. Oh yeah, it was. And then it, great it all that. came down to a few rolls of the dice. At the so very end. Cl- it was such a close, crazy game. It was game. a super cool game. It's, Fantastic it's one of the reasons game. Why you, why yeah. we love playing forty k. Yeah. Um, and it was games it's like probably that. the best, best game we've ever played. So that was it. So that's uh, it. That was it. Yeah. That was our battle report. Um, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Indeed. Uh, we hope you enjoyed episode two of the Eye of Terror. Indeed. <laughs> so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. If you have any uh, questions or comments, uh, please let us know. Especially if you want us to talk about something, uh, send us an email to the Eye of Terror podcast at gmail And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, and we certainly appreciate it if you leave a, a rating and uh, and a comment on on iTunes. So with that, I'm George. And I'm Alec. And this is the Eye of Terror podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye.